Hey friends, we are back and we're going to talk to you today about the rest of the division. Now I know what you're thinking, this is Locked On Twins, why are we talking about other teams? Well, we're going to talk about the rest of the Central and all the teams that were looking up at the Twins when the season ended and get a feel for what their off-seasons will have to look like if we're not going to have a repeat division winner. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. I'm your host Brandon Warren and you can unfollow me on Twitter or on X at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. He's Dave Brown. You should follow him because he needs more followers at Answer Dave Brown. Exactly how it sounds is exactly how it's spelled. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube and of course as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, we'll encourage you to be active with the show. Uh, we may do some live shows, Dave Brown, if you're up for it, because um, they're actually kind of fun, kind of exhilarating, kind of terrifying, because uh, if you make mistakes, they're already out there. But uh, yeah, so one, how are you doing? And two, we might do that. Uh, well, live shows sound terrifying, but when we do these, they always seem live, yep. and there's very little <laughs> editing, so... Uh, I'd be up for it, definitely. Well, and we're not only going to talk about the AL Central, but we're going to talk about the NFC North. It's another division we're going to talk about because well, the Bears beat the Vikings last night, if you hadn't heard. As as penance, or as out of respect for you, the new co-host, I am actually wearing, if people can see, a um, Musin Muhammad jersey. Uh, may remember him not at all if you're of a certain age or from the Carolina Panthers is where I remember him. Um, vastly underrated player, but uh, toward the end with the Bears. Um, Dave, one thing I was thinking about too that always made me laugh, unrelated, uh, is when old Saturday Night Live episodes would be on and it would be like, it's Saturday Night Live. And then the little thing would crawl on there and say, Recorded from an earlier live broadcast, as though you could somehow ever have a broad, <laughs> a video that wasn't live when it was when it was shot. I was just I always felt like that was kind of a funny way to phrase it. That's true, but it, uh, the show isn't called Locked On Twins Live, although it could be that that'd be that'd be some good marketing. So I I don't know if um, we're misleading people or they're they're just mistaken or they think it's live, but I think we do a good job of faking it even if it's not. Well, fake it till you make it. One thing we need to talk to before we get to the show is that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So if you put a $5 money line bet down on the Bears, you have $150 in bonus play if your team, the Bears, won, which they did. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Dave, uh, I don't want to belabor the point. I don't want to talk about other teams too much. But, man, yeah, that was not – that was a pretty brutal game to watch. I uh, – not much left to say about it, honestly. Well, the the uh, I was going to call them the Twins, but the Vikings, they turned the ball over so much, and the, the Bears, I think, converted their uh, turnovers into, like, negative seven points. 
it's just uh, it was you mentioned the immovable force versus the uh, intractable object, and that's not what that phrase is. But people get what I'm talking about. It was just uh, it was not a good exhibition of football. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was yeah, it just uh, Justin Fields. I mean, good for him after the, the fumbleitis there in the fourth quarter. Uh, came through with a big throw and got into uh, Cairo Santos range. Uh, and but I think both teams are going to want to forget about that game in the long run pretty quickly. Hey, it's and I'm, just so people don't think I'm really wearing this hat not because the Bears won, but um, because I have hat hat hair or bed hair right now. It's out of control, and I I couldn't sure. brush it into. Oh, see, no, see, I do too. I'm actually uh, getting cut right. tomorrow. Pretty bad. So I'm just trying to look professional. So and just so you know, I mean, you know, we're still all about this. This is what we're really about here. It's not really football <clears throat> season. It's baseball season. So speaking of Homer Hankies, if people are not watching and instead listening, Dave showed us. <laughs> now used Homer Hanke. Um The Twins are the defending division champions. Reigning. But reigning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they've also lost two starters. And the team that I think is my favorite to knock them off next year picked up one of those starters. So what I'm asking you, Dave Brown, is, is it ridiculous to – Consider the Twins still the favorite, given what we do or do not know at this point of the offseason. Well, things are pretty unsettled. If you look at yeah. how many teams you know, have full rosters or guaranteed contracts, there's a lot in flux. That's mm -hmm. F-L-U-X. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in a, in a way, yes. But you would expect all things being equal once we have 40-man uh, rosters populated toward uh, the beginning near the beginning of spring training that the twins are going to be the favorites again uh you know and it's going to take you know some kind of off seasons for uh the guardians or the the, the tigers or the white the white yeah. Sox or royals to uh unseat them in the central um you know i i think it is it is possible i think i like the kenta maeda move for the tigers i like some other things that they're doing um but i would say that the twins are prohibitive favorites considering remember last year i mean they won the division and lots of things didn't go right for the twins and they still won anyway a lot of that is because lots of things went wrong for the other teams but you know they're, they're still relatively speaking the cream of the al central crop when i look at the roster uh, to me the twins are just head and shoulders above everybody else in the division and i know i know i know um People who are listening who are not Twins fans, which probably not that many, uh, will probably be like, oh, you know, he's just being a homer. But uh, no other team in the division has backup options like Trevor Larnick, yeah. Jose Miranda, um, Christian Vasquez, or Ryan Jeffers, if you want to call it that. The, the depth that the Twins have amassed puts them in a class unto themselves in the division. Now, you as a more unbiased observer and, and definitely as someone who has covered the game at large in a way that I never have. Um, you're probably more equipped to look at it with a little more of a critical eye. What am I missing when I say that I think this Twins team is is head and shoulders more talented than any other team in the division? Uh, you know, a, a, an actual answer, uh, Brandon. I think this is why everybody respects you. It's uh, it's uh, no, you're. Uh, <laughs> You're not unbiased, but you uh, you yeah. you try and look at the twins objectively, mm -hmm. and 
the Tigers are just not there yet. I mean, they made some progress uh, last year. I like uh, what the top of the order might bring, especially if Parker Meadows can come through. Um, I love Riley Green. Love Riley Green. I really, I had, I had a bad fantasy team, and my first baseman was Spencer Torkelson. But if you look real close at his season, he made a they, Riley Green too. They both made big improvements. They went from he, he guy, almost, these guys going to make it to they can play. We know they can play. There's another step to take. But you know what? You mentioned the Twins' depth. After that. Uh, you know, I know they added Mark Canna and they have some other players, uh, you know, you know, but they don't have the depth yeah. that the, the Twins do. They've got, uh, looks like maybe three good starting pitchers, a couple of good relief pitchers, um, but this is not a team. This is a team that's going to need the Twins to s- severely regress even more to yeah. have things go wrong. You know, uh, Correa out half the season, Buxton uh, backing up, uh, you know, Kirilov, you know, more injuries than last year. Uh, you know, and I'm knocking on wood. I'm not saying I hope this happens, but the, the twins really need to put it in reverse to have anybody overtake them. Yeah. And I think the fact that, again, like you kind of alluded to, um, they did what they did this last year with Carlos Correa severely compromised with Byron Buxton, a non-factor after the first couple months and then just not playing. Right. Um, the sense to me is that the twins are still on an upward trajectory, easy for me to say in that uh, even though the division will be like, well, they want it. How much better are they going to get? How much higher can they get? Um, It wasn't, it was not a storybook uh, kind of season that you're going to see a retrospective on the Hallmark channel uh, coming up here with Lacey Chabert sometime in December. It's just, it's not going to happen. I might watch that show, but you're right. Yeah. It was a workmanlike season. It was not a, um, it was not great. So well, a couple of things did happen. I mean, not, not to get all retrospective where we are looking at the other teams in the division and we're looking forward, nope. but the I'm twins, they, uh, you know, they, they beat the Yankees in a regular season series. Uh, they got a playoff win. I mean, in, you know, if I'm editing the yearbook, uh, you know, that's at the top of the list. Those are huge things that happened, uh, last season. So uh, they got a couple of, you know, 500 pound gorillas off their back as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that allows them to move forward. I really think that th- there was progress made. I mean, it wasn't a- aesthetically a perfect season, but um, things kind of churned along and lots of good things happened. We saw, as you said, the depth come through some young players, Royce Lewis, very exciting. Uh, and, and other guys too, not just him. Um, so I think that the twins are, as you said, also are in a good position to, it's a it, the roster is unsettled, but they have enough depth pieces that we can see where things fall into place with this offseason. They can yep. make some moves. They're in a good position to uh, win 90 games this year, I think, and that's uh, going to be enough. The World Series was a 90 win team against an 84 win team, so it can be easy to sure. forget that. Um, let's take a quick second. We'll talk about our friends at FanDuel. We'll come back and we'll assess the landscape of the division before we get everyone out of here. But first, a word from FanDuel. Okay, so you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers are getting $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. I think a Moneyline bet on the Bears probably would have done pretty nice in a lot of different regards 
Um, but if you're just getting started, this is a way to go. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than to get in on the action. The app is super duper easy to use. And there is a wide range of betting options such as spreads, overs and unders, player props, much, much more. You name it, they've got it. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season. Again, that's 150 bucks if your team wins. That's bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, Dave, we're back into the mix. We're back into the bullpen. And we're talking first and foremost about the also-rans in the Central. At least for my money, I am not expecting big things from the Royals or the White Sox this next year. Um, I don't want to gloss over them because you certainly will have a lot to say about them. But would you say the haves and the have-nots as far as the other teams in the division are uh, Tigers, Guardians, and then the have-nots are the Royals, White Sox? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah, the Royals and White Sox do seem to have a lot in common right now. Chris Getz is trying to make over the White Sox in his own Royals image. Yeah. Um, with uh, be it with players or uh, executives or uh, what have you. Um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, there are two organizations, the, the White Sox and Royals that you kind of, well, what are they doing? What direction are they heading? We don't know. It's, uh, it's really hard to say they're, uh, they're, the White Sox are probably going to cut payroll. The Royals are, while they're interested in, for having the, the the locals finance a new stadium are not really interested in making the team look presentable for games to get people out there, you know, even as a, a half measure to, you know, that that's a team, you know, that maybe could be like the Tigers this year and on the verge of nearly almost sort of competing. Um, but the, the Royals yeah. seem to be a few steps away from that. And the White Sox are, uh, you know, they, they made the move to sign uh, Paul DeYoung to play a shortstop. Uh, he's gotten worse until this past season, he had gotten worse every season of his career. He was like second rookie of the year. And he actually made the all-star team at some point. And, and right around then he signed a contract extension and he yeah. has just gotten worse and worse and worse until last year where he sort of plateaued a little bit and maybe was slightly better uh, for three different teams or something like that. So um, well, it's kind of that, that thing where you sign veterans that you hope you can flip at July for something interesting. That's basically yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Um, I hope so, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Tim Anderson's not coming back. Uh, I think there are lots of other better options than him at, at short. But um, mm -hmm. you know, they have Andrew Benintendi. They they signed last year. Why did they do that? Now they got this guy. You know, the most expensive contract in player history. Speaking of old Royals, oh, and he uh, slugged like three fifty. Right, and to call that slugging is not is the is berating of the slugging term. Yep. So noodling, noodling. Um, so the White Sox need, you know, several other players to build around Luis Robert, and they don't have Luis Giolito anymore, Lucas Giolito anymore, or Luis Giolito. They they need lots of stuff. I don't know what they're they're gonna. You know, they still they haven't had a second baseman. It's like uh, the Guardians haven't had like three outfielders for seven years. The White right. Sox haven't had a second baseman since Ray Durham, I think. So. Right. Uh, Canerco's not coming through that door either. So Andrew Vaughn is not developing as a power hitter. Uh, it's not looking good for the White Sox. 
and they have a lot of work to do. Is there any part of you that thinks that they should trade both Dylan Cease and Luis Robert? Because here's the deal. The trades that got them to where they are or where they wanted to be were trades of players like this that brought back lots of prospects. I mean, Lucas Giolito was one of those players. You have the Adam Eaton deal, bringing him back. You have the Chris Sale deal, bringing back Yohan Mankata. Do you try to go to that well again? Or, I mean, what? I mean, what is, and if you trade one, why not trade the other? Like, what's the well, what's the thought process? The White Sox don't have a long, I mean, it's been better this century, but they don't have a, a history of players like Luis Robert, uh, guys that can slug big time and run the bases and go get the ball in center field. I mean, he's a, he's a franchise, you know, he's not one of the five best players in the league, but he's one of the maybe 25 be. best players. He could be though. Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's young enough and they, they brought him in from Cuba and developed him. And um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, yeah, they maybe need, need to make a Chris sale kind of deal. And I could see that with, with Cease, Cease probably pitched better last year than his results uh, yep. showed. But, um, you know, he, even that Chris Sale deal, it it didn't exactly turn out how they wanted to. I mean, ever since Yohan Moncada had a couple of really good years and was building up to something, and then COVID came, and, you know, he's a guy who had it and yep. then has shown symptoms of having long COVID and has not been the same ever since. That's uh, an interesting you know, I, it's, I, uh can't run from here to there without, uh, you know, uh, pulling something or losing his breath or it's like me running the bases. It's not good. He can yeah. still pick it at third base, but he hasn't shown the power or the hitting or anything, you know. So I don't know how good that deal ended up being for the White Sox. But, yeah, it, and I do like, speaking of deals like that, what they did uh, trading um, Aaron Bummer for a bunch of guys on the Braves who they probably were going to non-tender. But I like – Michael Soroka and I like uh, not Jordan Schusterman, but um, Jared Schuster. Jared Schuster. You know, so I like those guys, and that kind of deal is good. I mean, you, but you don't you're not building around Aaron Bummer, so you're not really losing that much. You trade uh, Robert and center, then you know you're taking a real chance there. I, I would hold on to him. Maybe trade Dylan Cease. I wouldn't trade the hitter though. But Eloy's as good as gone, right? I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, it seems like it. He's got, you know, um, obviously the the injury thing follows him around, sort of like he follows balls into the the nets around in the outfield. It's always like, well, what's going to happen next? Um, so it would make sense to deal him. Um, you know, he doesn't have as many dimensions as Robert. He's not. It ha he hasn't turned out to be as good as as Robert. So uh, you could deal him and, and maybe get something and maybe get something for cease. And then, then you've, you've started, a, you've started to rebuild in earnest if that happens. Well, Jim Varney would be proud. Um, Eloy plays left like uh, Roomba who is very disoriented. And I don't mean to say that as a, a I guess, I guess I do. Yeah. He's just, he's not good out there. Um, I, I get the feeling that, or I feel like the White Sox might, keep Robert and then like the way their luck is going, he'll get dinged up, have a decent year and they'll end up trading him a year too late. Um, and he'll blow up. It just feels like they are snake bitten right now. Um, whether it's, uh, the Reinsdorf curse or what it is, but, um, I just, everything that I think of like, Oh, get rid of Mankata. Well, nobody wants him because of the, the salary. 
trade C's, keep Robert. Well, how's that not going to work? Or trade both. Well, how's that not going to work? It's just, I, it's hard for me to find a lot of optimism for them. Uh, much the same as the Royals, honestly. For sure. And, you know, part of the issue is, you know, other than Roberts, a lot of the other young players that they've gotten, and, you know, I alluded to what may be wrong with Moncada, Moncada but they yeah. haven't necessarily developed them either. I mean, uh, there hasn't really been an injury with Andrew Vaughn, but he's very average and doesn't seem to be getting better and right. uh, isn't really a, a great player on defense. You know, it's first base, so it's not that big a deal. They're, they're not they're not really to fully develop the young players that they have. And a lot of those guys, you know, Chris Getz has, has been promoted after – a lot of this happened and I don't know that all of their ills of their young players are his fault, but um, you know, the White Sox still have, they change all the players out. Jerry Reinsdorf is still the owner. And it's, yep. it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's only so much they can do with, with him uh, pulling the strings. And uh, you know, they had a chance to get any GM they wanted, any team president they wanted in the off season, but Reinsdorf's like, no, we, we're, we got to win now. So, the heck with that. We're just going to promote Getz questionably. Um, and maybe he can do the job, but Chris Getz still has to answer to Reinsdorf. And Reinsdorf yeah. is not going to spend every last dollar like uh, a big market team should. Um, you know, he's not going to make it terribly adventurous moves that cost a lot of money. Um, there's, there's just only so much the White Sox can do. I mean, they did win the World Series with him as the owner. Yeah. And I would say that's happenstance at best. So uh, I think no matter what Chris Getz does, he's going to be limited by the man behind the curtain. Well, hey, Dave, Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows Covering every league, go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, Dave, um, didn't leave a whole lot of time for the Royals before we move on to the contenders, but um, is there anything, you know, you, you being local to them, you get a good look at them all the time. Uh, is there anything encouraging outside of Bobby Witt Jr.? I, I, I think MJ Melendez, if they could actually just let him catch, could be a decent player. Um, he was a disaster defensively, but the bat to me looks like it could be something. Uh, but there's just, there's not that much to get excited about right now. No, not terribly. Uh, although the um, development of Bobby Witt into a really good player, uh, which he was last year, uh, you know, is, is a saving grace. And they do have newer people uh, coaching uh, the pitching staff and the hitters, which, uh, leaves room for optimism that the the prospects who aren't necessarily as talented as Bobby Witt, who might be coming up through the system, um, will be given a chance to be the best versions of themselves. You know, yeah. we've talked about, you know, is uh, Brady Singer available in a trade? And I think that would be, I think we want to see him develop a little bit more. He, before, uh, I don't know if it was an injury or, or just a, an inconsistency last year, he had shown a lot of promise in the first half. He was a lot of improvement. Yeah. I think it would be wise to, uh, let uh, the pitching staff, the, you know, the, the, the coaching staff uh, for the pitchers continue to develop him, see if maybe they can do that with uh, other players. We'll see, uh, you know, they, they added Kyle, uh, Kyle Wright from the Braves. You know, he's had a shoulder injury, so I don't know 
you know, how much ceiling is there. But uh, the Royals have not a lot of Bobby Witt type prospects, but they do have some guys who are coming up who might be good players who you can plug in here or there. You know, what they really need uh, is not only to, to, continue, to continue to develop those kind of players, but they need to spend some money on some free agents just to give Bobby Witt someone to play with so he's not standing out there by himself. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, the fans should put the media should put pressure on the Royals to spend some darn money in free agency. There's a lot of good players out there, and if worse comes to worse, you can trade them later for somebody at a deadline next year. Um, that's what they need to do. It doesn't seem like they're going to do that though. So yeah. uh, I think the White Sox and the Royals are going to be duking it out for last place. Well, let's talk about these Guardians because my question there is. If they don't trade Shane Bieber in the offseason, the likelihood of them getting giolito there seems to be kind of strong, right? Like there is a, a declining return on his pitching. He's just not the pitcher he was before, which isn't to say he can't be again, but getting to a point where the further he gets into his, um, you know, club control, the less he's going to bring back in a trade. you got to find the right time to move him if you're going to. We all pretty much realize Cleveland will. What I'm dancing around is, is this team better if they move Bieber now and go with Bybee and Gavin Williams and all those guys at the top of the rotation as opposed to running it back with Bieber? It depends on what the trade market thinks of his elbow and yeah, what do they need to see out of him if they need to see anything to uh, maybe get a better, you know, to improve his value. That's the thing. The timing is bad. Um, yep. You know, they, pro they probably would have traded him last year, but he wasn't really healthy enough to to be at his best. And um, that's that stinks for how the Guardians do business, which is uh, a little bit like how the, the Royals do business. They're not big spenders. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a guy that they – because of the state of his performance and the state of his elbow, they really need to wait. It's not a, an ideal situation, but I think if they do wait, uh, I don't know if it's the, the trading deadline, but yeah. they, you know, if he shows something, then that's what, you know, I think there's still a bounce left in his value. And I think that's when you deal him. you can kind of roll the dice that that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's complicated because they traded all those guys at the deadline when they were like a game out, basically waved the white flag. Um, with Bieber, there are free agents that are his caliber available right now. Like maybe Lucas Giolito isn't as good as him, but yeah. if you ask me who I want over the next X number of years, if you say Giolito, I'm not going to argue with you because I just, if he's healthy or whatever. Um, so the problem becomes if the Guardians have to wait into the off season to see who's going to be interested in Bieber because teams don't know if they're interested in Bieber or they're just going to sign Giolito. So they don't have to trade their prospects. Yeah. It leaves Cleveland kind of standing there like, all right, well, what do we do in the meantime? Um, granted, if you trade Bieber, uh, it doesn't probably change your course of like signing another Josh Bell type. You're going to do that anyway, but I think it really puts you at a risk of not being able to address your actual real needs within your budget early in the off season when you have a better feel of what your roster is going to look like. So I think that that gets Cleveland in kind of a goofy spot where um, then if you hold him into the season and he's pitching well, and you are 
let's say within shouting distance of the division, then you have another bad optics trade to flip him at the deadline, or you keep him, QO him. Um, I don't know. If, I, I think they obviously QO him just for the pick, but I just feel like it's it's more precarious than it really should be for a pitcher of his caliber and a team that does not have a ton of uh, commitments outside of Jose Ramirez. Well, it's possible that if you uh, look at the, the trade market and they and you see, and there are teams out there that just love Justin Bieber, <laughs> Shane Bieber. I I call him Justin Bieber sometimes to myself a lot to make the joke, but. Um, the, uh, if there's somebody that's in love with a guy now and will pay healthy elbow Shane Bieber prices, then maybe the guardians are in business. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they, they pull the trigger on that, but I think he's been iffy enough over the past few months and several Mm -hmm. starts that we're going to have to wait and see. But, um, we know that they would prefer to get a big return for him. And I think the, the bigger return is probably going to end up coming after he shows that he's healthy. Not you need be. one GM and only one GM to say that I don't care that you broke your elbow. And that <laughs> will be it. Um, talk me out of the Tigers. I, I don't, I'm not saying I love the Tigers. I have a healthy respect for them. Um, but Ten to my eight is their number two starter right now on roster resource. Like Matt Manning was the number nine overall pick. He's their third starter. Hasn't shown as much as you'd like. And then Casey Mize uh, is right now penciled at number five. He's barely pitched. Um, There's parts to like, and there are teams that can be a bigger sum than their parts. But I just, right now, I think there's enough for them to be in the mix, like an 84, 85, 86 win team. If I truly believe in my heart of hearts, the twins can win 94, 95 games, but I just still need to see quite a bit more before I'm really going to put them toe to toe with the twins. Like I like Tariq Skubal, but can he stay healthy? I like um, any number of those pitchers that I mentioned beforehand. Can they still stay healthy? And even if Casey Mize stays healthy, he's still just, learning the league he's still just figuring out how to pitch in the big leagues it's development is not linear and i feel like the tigers could very easily take a step back this year a la twins um in 2015 they were decent 2016 they were horrible 17 they were decent 18 they were bad uh it just there could be an ebb and a flow that maybe we're not expecting with a team like the Tigers, who seem to be on the quote-unquote upswing. Yeah. Reese Olsen, as a rookie last year, uh, was uh, had a heck of a season. Um, and and that's the only guy that you know I'm going to trust to make 30 starts. That's kind of iffy. You, know, you, yep. you don't know what you're going to get out of Casey Mize. Um, Matt Manning, thankfully for him, came through and had some decent results. Still not sure exactly what they have there. Yep. Aida, how many starts are you going to get out of him? Scooble, you mentioned that he's had an injury bug. I just don't know. And you know, we're not we're, we're talking about uh, a, a t- an offense that is uh, not so good. You know, it's got some promising players uh, at the top, but it's not so good and so deep that they're going to hit around a pitching rotation like that if they have injury problems. So. Um, I don't see how this is going to surpass the twins. 
in 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 this off season. I just we'll see how much uh, the the junior Illiches will spend in free agency. Maeda is a great start. You know, I think they probably need another starter, and they probably need at least one or two more starting players in the lineup um, that are not on the roster right now to change my mind about them winning the division. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think the twins are in the driver's seat and I think everything we've said in the last 32 minutes would back that up. Well, Dave, you're going to be MIA tomorrow. We uh, will miss you deeply, but we'll catch up with you on Thursday. I think, how does that sound? That sounds great, Brandon. That's why everybody respects you. Exactly. And they shouldn't, Uh, but that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us. Give us a five-star review, thumbs up, all that fun stuff. I love, we have Dave, we have one commenter and I say, give thumbs up on YouTube and YouTube has thumbs up and thumbs down, but our friend gives us a thumbs up in the chat. You know what? He's a very literal man. And I appreciate that. So thumbs up in the chat works good, but also thumbs up on YouTube. Click that little button. It's it's good for the soul and um, it's good Thank for you, the internet person. Exactly. So, uh, but again, that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us on Locked on Twins and we'll see you tomorrow night.